Well, today let's put theistic evolution to the test, shall we? Uh, I'm surprised that a lot of people I know on my side who are non-believers went through that phase of trying to merge those two things. And I just, I'm with you. I think that is the worst of both worlds. And we really have to submit science to the Bible, not put science over scripture. Scripture is our ultimate authority. Gutsick Gibbons just kind of made a video on YouTube and making fun of me. And she's like, Eric doesn't even know what evolution is. Welcome to the Creation Today Show, where we bring together interviews with experts and solid Bible teaching. Your host, Eric Hovind, affirms the ultimate authority of God's Word, the truth of creation, and why it matters to you. Welcome to the Creation Today Show. I'm Eric Hovind, president and founder of Creation Today Ministries, and we're on a mission to disciple the world one person at a time, and I'm so thankful that it is working because there you are watching with me right now today. Today's subject, theistic evolution on trial. I want to know, is theistic evolution a viable idea? We'll get all into it and unpack it today as much as we can in detail. Even though it won't be exhaustive, we'll get a lot of great content. Hey, if you're joining us through one of our social media platforms or the Creations Today podcast or the television stations that air the show, welcome. You guys are getting the opportunity to peek inside the Creation Today community and we have created an incredible place for you. I'd encourage you to head on over to creationtoday.org where we have thousands of free resources that equip you with unshakable faith. They're designed to disciple. Uh, and it's the best way to take full advantage by coming over to creationtoday.org. So thanks for watching. I uh, appreciate you guys joining. You'll get to experience the first part of the show and then come on over to creationtoday.org. Hey, by the way, you can also get updates about future projects and things that we're doing. We're going to be releasing a big project coming up here in a couple months uh, by going to creationtoday.org slash sign up. creationtoday.org slash sign up. And that way, when you sign up, we can deliver these updates to you directly to your inbox, and you can uh, take advantage of staying up to date with Creation Today. To my partners, oh man, so good to see you guys. Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, I, I cannot wait, honestly, to see what God does, does with us this year. I hope you enjoyed the update from the last show of last year, Watch and Pray, as I just gave some quick updates, and then we got to hear updates from some other amazing ministries around America and around the world and what God is doing. I, I, I really am excited with all the negative, with all the bad I see. I also see a lot of things that God is doing and I'm so, so thankful. And I'm really thankful for you guys. So uh, Hannah and Gary, I see you guys. Kristen, see you. Thank you, Lisa. See you on here. Dale, thanks for being on here. Mr. Kurt, oh, thanks for praying with us and being on the show uh, last week with me, Kurt. Uh, Andrew, I see you on here. Everybody else, well, we got a bunch of you on here today. Love having you guys on here. James, good to see you. Um, I, I'm, I'm honestly, I, I wasn't sure if I should, uh, or that a show like this would be necessary, but I really think it is. Actually, let me pause that before I get into the intro of that. And let me start. This is the very beginning of 2024. First show of 2024. I want to start just with a word of prayer and ask God to bless the time that we have uh, to work in and through your life this year and to use each one of us to influence the world around us. Okay, so let's pray that God gives us favor and influence in the culture this year. Heavenly Father, thank you for being so patient with me. God, thank you for loving me 
Thank you for taking me step by step along this journey of faith to know you more, to be bolder about declaring your truth and your word to the world that desperately needs it. Heavenly Father, I pray that this year we would have more opportunities and with incredible love, be incredibly bold in declaring your truth. You are the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through you. So would we declare you to the world, I pray. Thank you for loving us. Bless this conversation about a topic that, man, so many people are so confused about. Bring clarity to this for many people today. And then God, use us to teach this information to others as you give us opportunity. We love you, Lord. Bless today, I pray. Bless 2024. May it be used for your glory. May we use every second, every heartbeat, every breath to proclaim your goodness and your glory to the world. We love you in your precious name. Amen. Amen. I uh, am kind of excited, I got to tell you, about today's conversation because um, it's, uh, it's, it's something that's incredibly needed. So I didn't think I needed to cover theistic evolution, uh, and I'm really surprised, honestly, at how quickly it's gained popularity. A couple years ago, I did a show called Old Earth Creation on Trial, where we just unpackaged the old earth ideas. And I thought, well, hey, that should settle it because the theistic evolution worldview, I kind of I put it out there that it's the one that not a lot of people um, um, are holding to. And it gets beat up on both sides because the evolutionists that I talk to, the atheists that I talk to, say, listen, you don't need God helping evolution or using evolution. The whole point of evolution is it happens without God. So it's really an atheistic viewpoint that adopted uh, or is holding to uh, evolution. And then you got the, the God side going, well, listen, guys, those of you that are atheists, you don't need evolution. God is the one who created the different varieties of kinds. God is, he told us how he did it in the beginning. He created, and then it tells us he made the animals after their kind, the plants after their kind, and, and it goes through there. So you don't need evolution because God spoke these things into existence. And so I kind of jokingly said theistic evolution is getting beat up on both sides. The, the creationists are beating up on theistic evolution, saying this doesn't make any sense. And the evolutionists, the atheists, I should say, are beating up on theistic evolution, saying the whole point of evolution is you don't need God. But the ground in the middle there is growing. Uh, last, well, two years ago now, uh, William Lane Craig came out with a new book called in, in, the Quest, in Quest of the Historical Adam. And he tries to marry the theistic worldview, the, theistic, the, the idea of God and evolution together, and it really concerned me. And so I started looking into this a little bit more about how people are trying to do this. And I started to detail an outline of, okay, if I was going to talk about theistic evolution, how would we handle this? How, how do we break this down and kind of get our minds around it? And, and so I started outlining and I got like several pages of just outlines of, of what all would we need to talk about to break down theistic evolution? First of all, you'd have to answer the question, what is theistic? What does it mean to be theistic? Then you'd have to answer, answer the question, what is evolution? And go into the different types of evolution. Then you'd have to uh, talk about, uh, the, the, or answer the question, is evolution actually scientific? You know, we're assuming that an evo the evolution worldview is backed by science. That's what a lot of people say today. So is it a scientific method that actually works? And you'd have to give the evidence for and against the evolution worldview. 
and you'd have to give the evidence for and against the creation worldview. Then you'd have to answer the question uh, or talk, talk about the scientists that are for and against evolution. Then you'd have to get into the history of evolutionary thought. Where did the evolution idea actually come from? And when you do that, I mean, you got the, the, the pre-Darwin, Darwin, post-Darwin. Then you'd have to go into old earth thinking because old earth led to evolution worldview thinking. And you'd have to unpackage that. By the way, we did that in old earth creation on trial in that show. Then you'd have to get into, um, uh, okay, what's the science about the age of the earth? Then you'd have to get into the, the, the thinking of the Bible. What does the Bible actually teach about it? What did our church fathers, what did they think about it? What does Jewish history teach about the, the old earth or evolution idea? Did God use evolution? Um, uh, then what, yeah, what does the Bible say? Uh, what does it mean? What's the author's intent? Uh, what are the implications? If evolution is true and God did use evolution, what would that imply? And then you'd have to get into some other arguments. And so I got, I got a whole lot that I'd love to cover. This is not going to, unfortunately, this hour is not going to get to be an exhaustive show. But we are going to cover a lot of details about the theistic evolution worldview that I think will be really helpful. So talking about William Lane Craig, um, he has come out in favor of theistic evolution. Okay, Here's a clip of him. Now, this is him addressing somebody who believes in old earth ideas, but... They believe that God created every so often. It's often called progressive creation. Uh, like every once in a while, God spoke things into existence because that's what the Bible says God did. And, and so he's saying, I, I don't think that's possible. Anyway, listen to what he says here. And I, personally, I find it fascinating the way he phrases this. Listen to this. Is it your understanding then that at some time in the past, there was a calm prehistoric lake or pond with nothing on it, and then all of a sudden, poof, suddenly a duck appears swimming on the water. And he said, yes, uh, except I think we would have to posit uh, several ducks. And I thought, oh, of course, you've got to have a breeding population, not just one duck. Now, Kevin, I just find that incredible. That sounds more like magic than the God of the Bible to me. It sounds more like magic than God of the Bible. And he says, that's not how God, magic isn't how God works. And I go, well, yes, it is. The entire beginning of the universe is a miracle. The entire creation event is a miracle. Use the word magic, just, okay, it's a bad choice of words, Dr. Craig. Use the word miracle that God does say. Now he's talking again to an old earth guy and talking about progressive creation. He goes on to address young earth. So unfortunately, this interview, he's uh, he's addressing uh, Dr. Jason Lyle in an article he wrote. So he does a little bait and switch here to confuse the topic just a little bit when he's ans actually answering the question. But then he goes on to talk about young earth creation. Here's what he says. Now, the only way to avoid this kind of late creation would be to adopt young earth creationism. Uh, and Lyle didn't say that in his article, although you apparently indicate this is his view. Well, if that's your view, that is completely in the face of scientific evidence. That is outrageous. The idea that the world was created um, 10 to 20,000 years ago in six consecutive 24-hour days 
uh, is just indefensible. It is indefensible historically, linguistically, scientifically. It contradicts geology, paleontology, cosmology. So if that's the alternative to common descent, I think Christians are in real trouble. Christians are in real trouble if that's the case. And I want to get into the, the, the church fathers and what they believed in Jewish tradition and all that. But what I find fascinating, and this happens all the time with, with Dr. Craig and others, they're basically ignoring church history. They're ignoring what people, it's basically, what he's saying is indefensible is what people have believed for the last two thousand years. Okay, let me back it up and say even 1800, if you want to say since Darwinian evolution, they all believed in special creation. I say they all. A majority believed in special creation. They believed that God created out of nothing, ex nihilo, exactly like he says in Genesis chapter one. It's gotten to the point, I watched an interview recently with, uh, I'm going to forget his um, channel, it'll come up here for me, uh, Sentinel Apologetics, and he's interviewing um, uh, Michael Jones of Inspiring Philosophy. And I watched this because I just had a conversation with Michael Jones a few weeks ago, a few months ago now. And in it, he made a claim that I went, hang on, how did we get here? Listen to this. I'm of the opinion now that this, this ideology, this, this, you know, it's a creationist sort of, you know, school of thought. But with respect to the way they they just audaciously just say this stuff. Um, I think it, it falls into the category of a cult. And, and for that matter, a, a potentially very non-Christian cult. Young Earth creation falls into a non-Christian cult. I, I honestly, I, I, I have to ask myself, what in the world is going on. How did we get this far? Now, I'm thankful Michael Jones, you can see his expression on his face there, he does not agree that young earth creation is a cult. Now, he does understand there are there are uh, groups of groups of people who have cult-like um, thinking, uh, and so he acknowledges that, but to say young earth creation is a cult is is a is a major misrepresentation of history, of the Bible, of work. So I'm just, I can't believe we got here. And then, of course, a couple months ago, I told you I had the conversation with Michael Jones. And the conversation was, I don't know why they changed the, uh, the, the graphics on it, but the conversation was actually, um, is theistic evolution biblical? In other words, can, can you get theistic evolution out of the Bible? And so we had that conversation. It was on Bible Dingers. I encourage you to check that out. Uh, enjoyed that conversation with with Michael Jones and really got into I'm, got into some stuff. I even did on Standing for Truth, uh, another podcast, a review of that conversation. If you want to check out Standing for Truth, uh, they did a review of that. Uh, but here's here's what I'm what I'm discovering is that the theistic evolution worldview is gaining ground, and it's gaining it really quickly. It was old Earth creation gained ground, and now it's the theistic evolution view gaining ground. So. I decided to throw together a little chart of what what is what are all the views out there, and everything from atheistic evolution all the way up to young Earth creation. What are our options? Like what what do we get to choose from? And you got Richard Dawkins, of course, somebody like that, or David Attenborough or Sam Harris believing in atheism. There is no God. Nature is all there is. 
Uh, and what's interesting is atheism really had in the last 10 years a really big push. Uh, you had the four horsemen, Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins, two of them, really trying to push atheism. And it's while it gained popularity, it really, for the most part, failed because people realized uh, the emptiness of that. They realized naturalism doesn't work. It can't account for morality. It cannot account for ethics. I'm not saying they are not moral or ethical. I'm saying there's no foundation. There's no absolute that gives us that. So most people are on the God side. And on the God side, you would have uh, everything from, okay, well, maybe God used evolution to, well, evolution's not true. There's a lot of Christians who would say evolution's not true, but it does seem that science has proven the earth and the universe is old. The earth being 4.6 billion years old, the universe being 13.7 billion years old. And then you got the, the young earth people saying, hold it, hold it, hold it. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, the old earth idea isn't true. Let's take the Bible as our ultimate authority and use it to interpret the science. Science has really turned into an indoctrination system. Everybody ought to know that now with things that are going on in science. More than a search for truth. And we really have to submit science to the Bible, not put science over Scripture. Scripture is our ultimate authority. Now, with these different views, if you're out there and you go, listen, listen, we can't know, and it don't matter. Who cares? Just go on living life. I feel your pain. I honestly do. There, there is a lot of confusion out there when it comes to what should you believe about Genesis? What should you believe about evolution? What should you believe about creation? And I'll admit, Christians have not made this easier. A lot of people have made it harder to understand. But I do think it matters. Let me try to explain why. How many of you out there remember Paul Harvey? He had a radio program, and you can probably say it with me. I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. And he had a program where he'd tell you the rest of the story, and he'd start off his programs like that where he'd say, I'm going to tell you, let's talk about the Constitution. Here's the rest of the story. And then at the end of his little radio presentation, he'd say, and now you know the rest of the story. Well, Paul Harvey, back in 1965, issued a warning, and it was bold, and it was incredibly accurate. The warning he gave from 1965 was titled, If I Were the Devil. And he goes on to explain, if I were the devil, what would I do? I wouldn't be happy with having four out of five people in my clutches. I want everyone in my clutches. And he goes on to explain exactly what he'd do and how he'd try to confuse the youth and how he'd try to, to mess things up. If I were the prince of darkness, he said, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And he talks about how he would accomplish that. It's about a three-minute clip. I encourage you to watch it on YouTube because it's really good. I, I would just play the whole thing, but I don't have time. He said, soon, as he got into this, soon after I did this to the youth and I did this and I confused them about sexuality and I did this, soon... I would evict God from the courthouse and then from the schoolhouse and then from the house of Congress. Then he says this, and in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would make science 
seem like it is God. And i got to tell you something. When I listen to William Lane Craig now, and I hear him mock the idea of a miracle-working God in creation, and I hear him talk about how he has a genetic disorder and a chimp has the same, some chimps have the same genetic disorder, and that's evidence of common descent. Science, he believes, has shown that he and apes have a common ancestor. I go, we have really deified science over Scripture. It matters because the character of God comes into play. So let's put theistic evolution on trial. I, I, I want to frame this, and I did this in the conversation I had with Michael Jones, to frame this in, in the idea of who is God. Would God use, would, can you get theistic and evolution? Does that work? A.W. Tozer said, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So what is it that comes into our mind when we actually think about God? Well, would it be the God of theistic evolution? Would it be a God that used the evolution worldview? Well, first of all, you, in order to unpack this, we have to answer the question, what is theism? If you look it up in a dictionary, theism is belief in the existence of God or gods, especially belief in one God as creator of the universe, intervening in it and sustaining it a personal relationship with his creatures or to his creatures. So theism, if we talk about theistic evolution, theism is the idea that God exists. Theistic, God exists. Okay. Now, we have to answer this question, which God? And how do you know you have the right God? Those are good conversations. How did this God, this creator of everything, how did he reveal himself to his creation? I want to do another show on this, but... But when you discover that the God of the Bible revealed himself through nature and through his word, it is powerful. When you realize that you're holding the very word of God, we're looking at a cursed creation. It's corrupt. We've got to look at it through the lens of a cursed creation because that's what God's word tells us happened. When you look at it that way, you can realize who God actually is. So you got to define theism, believe in God. So theistic evolution, believe in God. What is evolution? Well, if you look that up, uh, dictionary.com, evolution, descent with modification from pre-existing species. Okay, so let me pause right there and say, so this first definition of evolution, and this is what I get all the time from the evolutionist, is evolution is just a change in living things. Really, that definition right there, it, it's that's what's scientific. That's where you can look and see things in science. But is that the whole idea? Does that encompass the whole idea of evolution? No, it actually doesn't. They go on, uh, continuing on this definition, cumulative inheritive change in a population of organisms through time, leading to the appearance of new forms, the process by which new species or populations of living things develop from pre-existing forms through successive generations. Okay, now we jump to something that is not scientific. Now we jump to something that is beyond the realms of science. We have to, to assume that one kind of animal can change into another kind of animal. That's not been seen, tested, or demonstrated. So it's really outside the realms of science. It goes on, and I just it, it's kind of tricky how they do it here. Evolution is also the scientific theory explaining the appearances of new species and varieties from actions of various biological mechanisms, natural selection, genetic mutation, or drift, and hybridization. So how does the dog eventually turn into something that's not a dog? Through 
natural selection, genetic mutation, or genetic drift, and hybridization. Here's the problem. We've never observed that happen. We, we don't have scientific data to say the dog has turned into something that's not a dog, or the horse has turned into something that's not a horse. That's not what we observe today. They go on in the definitions. Number two, a process of change in a certain direction. So unfolding, it's just change. Uh, the action or an instance of forming and giving something off, an emission, evolution. Process of continuous change from a lower, simpler, or worse to a higher, more complex, or better state, which is growth. And now some evolutionists disagree with this. The Richard Dawkins says it's blind. There is no direction. It's not lower to higher. It's just it can go up, it can go down. Any change is evolution. So you, you really open up a can of worms just trying to define what is evolution. It's not cut and dry. It's not as easy as you think. They have four, five, and six, the extraction of a mathematical root, a process in which the whole universe is a progression of interrelated phenomenon. This, this definition of evolution, number five, says, hey, it's really about everything. It's about the whole universe. How did it get here? Where did everything come from? All the way to how did we get the different varieties? So when you just ask a question like, well, what do you think about theistic evolution? You have just opened Pandora's box of hold it. There's a lot of variety on what do you mean by theistic? And there's a lot of variety by what do you mean on evolution? So you really got to define the terms here. Inspiring philosophy, Michael Jones uh, put up, he said, well, yeah, actually there's several different types of evolution. Now, all of these are dealing with the small variations within kinds. They're not dealing with the big picture evolution, not dealing with the, the, the major stuff. Lamarckian evolution, Darwinian natural selection, neo-Darwinism. Uh, he goes on and lists seven there, uh, William Lane Craig. He said, no, 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 there's actually only three, three varieties of evolution. You had Darwinian evolution from 1859 to the 1930s. Then you had the modern synthesis from 1930s to 1980s. And then you had extended evolutionary synthesis, and that's from the 1980s to current. And that really brings all the fields together, especially de developmental biology, using genetics and things like that to show uh, that evolution actually took place, that we have descent with modification. So it's not just easy to unpack this and make it really, really simple. If you were to simplify evolution, change over time, I've seen that in the textbooks. In the science, scientific textbooks and literature, evolution has changed over time. I've also seen evolution be described as a change in living things over time. Then I've seen it changed to, it's a change in allele frequency over time, a change in alleles over time. I did a, a little one-minute video several years ago explaining kind of why this is so confusing and what is actually part of science. It's one of our creation minutes. Check this out. Welcome to Creation Minute, I'm Eric Hoven. What is science? Webster says science is knowledge derived from observation and study. So is evolution part of science? Depends on what you mean. There are six different definitions of evolution. Cosmic evolution is the origin of time, space, and matter. Chemical evolution is the origin of all the elements we have today. Stellar evolution is the origin of the stars and planets. Organic evolution is the origin of life from non-life. Macroevolution is the origin of the major kinds of animals and plants. Then microevolution is simple variations within the kinds. Microevolution is the only one that's ever been observed and tested. The rest are not part of science. So is evolution part of science? Depends on what you mean. To learn more about creation, visit us at creationminute.com. So 
Here I'm breaking it down into six different types of evolution that can account for everything that we see in the universe. All the way from the universe's existence, cosmic evolution, down to variations within kinds of animals. My dad did this years ago, and I'm not, I don't know where he got it from, but I, I thought that really does, it hits everything. How do we get all the elements that we have today, the 108 elements in the periodic table of elements? How do we get the stars and planets? We don't see them forming today. They could be, but we don't see that happening, um, or at least we... We assume that it's happening, or scientists assume that a bright spot might be a star forming, but we don't know that. They would even say it takes millions of years for it to happen. So we can break all these things down. Where did life come from? They'll admit we don't know where life came from. That's one of the uh, Richard Dawkins, Neil deGrasse Tyson, all the bigwigs in the evolution scientific world would say we don't know. That's an answer we haven't uh, uh, discovered yet. Bill Nye, the science guy, says we don't know where life came from. We got ideas. We got clues. Still trying to figure it out. So that... These, these break down for me what evolution, uh, the, the different types of evolution in a concise way that accounts for all the different types of evolution. Nevertheless, some people will say, no, it's just a change in allele frequencies over time. That's what evolution is. Uh, Gutsick Gibbons just kind of made a video on YouTube and making fun of me, uh, making fun of some videos that I put out on Twitter. And she's like, Eric doesn't even know what evolution is. Here's her telling me what evolution is. Can we appreciate just what an incredible misunderstanding of evolution Eric Hovind actually has? So, okay, what is evolution first? Well, evolution is a change in the allelic frequency within a population over time. Change over time. That's it, guys. Change over time. And she goes on to say, hey, to get, that's just for small changes. For big changes, that's where you need genetic drift and the, 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 the things that we talked about earlier that are, that are defined there. Here's the problem. Change in allele frequencies over time is a design feature. Alleles are on genes, and you could have an allele, a, 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 a gene expression for dark hair and light hair. You know, for uh, thick fur on an animal and thin fur, long hair, short hair. You can have these, it is same gene, but the allele tells it which one to go. That is a design feature, not an evolutionary feature. That is pre-programmed into the animal. I encourage you to watch Design to Adapt with uh, Dr. Andy Galuza, a, a creation show that we did, Creation Today show that we did, where we got into this and showed that what they are saying is evolution is actually genius design by the creator. God created animals with the ability to adapt. And that makes sense because he told animals and plants and people, and go into all the world. He told people, go into all the world and, uh, and, re, uh, and, and populate the world. You know, have a lot of kids, he told Adam and Eve. And he, he designed the animals to multiply and have children after their own kind, the cattle after their kind, the, the beasts of the earth after their kind. And then there's all these different varieties of, of environments. So he inbuilt into them the ability to adapt. So... When they say evolution is a change in allele frequencies over time, I have to stop and go, that doesn't explain where the alleles, where the, the fur, the, the, the information for fur actually came from. So this is not a lack of understanding of what evolution is. It's actually showing the problem that the word evolution has in trying to define itself and what it is. So I just see this world getting turned upside down and Satan is doing a great job of uh, bringing the idea of death into the Bible in many people's minds saying God used death. Because if you adopt the theistic evolution worldview, you have to say God is the 
the creator of, enjoys death and suffering. And again, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Now, I'll admit, uh, I I know i got to let social media go here in just a second, but I'll admit, this is not a salvation issue, okay? It's not. Can you believe God created, that, that God, uh, that Jesus died on the cross for man's sin, that man is a sinner? Christ died on the cross for our sins, and it was his death, burial, and resurrection. The resurrection is critical there. Resurrection that can pay, that can be the atonement for my sin. And if I repent and trust in Christ, that blood sacrifice will be put on my account. And so when I die, I, I will have his blood shed over me. Yes, you can believe that and believe that God used evolution. You can. It's not a salvation issue, but it's, a found, it's the foundation that makes salvation necessary. That's the issue. This is where it gets really important. Why did Jesus Christ die the death of the cross? What was the purpose? To save us, to pay the penalty of sin. And what is the penalty of sin? It's right out of the Bible. The penalty of sin is death. So if death has always been here as part of creation, I'll explain the theistic evolution worldview here in just a second. But if death has always been a part of God's creation, the way he designed it, what is God really saving us from? What is Christ really saving us from with his death on the cross? If it's not really the penalty of sin, which is death. So my issue is the character of God is at stake. That is the issue. So it's not a salvation issue. I admit that. Evolution is not essential to salvation, but it is essential to the doctrine that makes salvation necessary. That is why you need to understand this. That's why this is a big deal. It's ne- it's it's a big deal because it's essential to the doctrine that makes the need for Christ's death on the cross necessary. Some people say, hey, Eric, why, why, why are you guys focus on creation, man? Why focus on creation evolution? Just focus on Jesus. I, I, I kind of go, listen, I, I kind of like that idea. Let's focus on Jesus. You know what you're going to focus on if you focus on Jesus and his teachings? You're actually going to focus on creation because he refers back to creation over and over and over. Jesus uses creation. He uses Genesis to, to talk about all kinds of principles. So he's doing it over and over. John 8, 44, uh, uh, the Bible tells us that Satan, you are your father, the devil, just Jesus. You are your father, the devil, and the lust of your father, ye will do. He was a murderer. Satan was a murderer. When? From the, say it out loud. Satan was a murderer from the beginning. And abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. This is a concern for me, and this one verse breaks the whole thing down. Who's the father of lies? Satan. Satan was a murderer from the beginning. What's he talking about, Satan, a murderer from the beginning? When did that actually take place? So listen, social media, i got to let you go. I'm going to go on and talk about theistic evolution. I'll let you go here in just a second, but... You need to know about this, okay? I've got an entire curriculum that I'd like you to have. Uh, it's, it's a Bible study curriculum called Lost. It's seven, uh, seven part series that I want to give you absolutely free. And uh, all you have to do is go to creationtoday.org slash theistic dash evolution. Theistic dash evolution, a free series. I want you to get this because you need to understand where the evolution worldview came from. It'll help you understand why the world is so lost today. 
and really explain this out in detail, okay? I uh, really need you to understand this. So creationtoday.org slash theistic evolution, all right? Here's the core tenets of biblical belief before I let you guys go, okay? Uh, the Bible is the supreme authority. The Bible is our absolute authority. Creation happened in six 24-hour days as spoken of in Genesis. Creation occurred somewhere around 6,000 years ago, but not more than 10,000 years ago. And that's based on the genealogies, the numbers that are given there in Genesis. We actually get that from the Bible. It's not exterior. It's, it's biblical. It's inside of the Bible. The Bible says there was no death until, until sin. There, um, no death of people, no death of animals before Adam sinned. And the theistic evolution worldview has to have billions of years of death before Adam came on the scene and sinned and brought sin into this world. The year-long catastrophic flood of Noah's day covered the entire planet. So there's a lot we need to unpack here, and I'm going to go on with our Creation Today partners and talk about that. But would you please go to creationtoday.org slash theistic-evolution and get a free series to help you unpack this truth. Uh, I'd love for you to come to creationtoday.org and just sign up and, and just kind of continue this conversation with my partners and I as we continue to unpack theistic evolution and put it on trial. Uh, I'm probably going to go long, partners. I hope you guys don't mind. you got to just kick off whenever you need to. But this is so critical, okay? Because we need to answer the question, what is the point of the billions of years? And before I let you go social media, here's what we're going to answer. The theistic evolution worldview says that 13.8 billion years ago, there really was a big bang. 4.6 billion years ago, the earth formed. And then somewhere between 700,000 and 6,000 years ago, God created man. Or, or, or man evolved. Man came about from ape-like ancestors. So that's the basic theistic worldview, or, or theistic evolution worldview. And that puts sin coming in at the end of creation, not at the beginning. And that contradicts everything the Bible tells us about sin coming into the world, about Satan being a murderer from the beginning, about, anyway, so many things that contradicts, we're going to get into that. So this is an important issue because the character of God is at stake. Did God create a world filled with death and suffering and have that happen for several billion years to finally get what he wanted, mankind? Or did God create it perfect and then man's sin brought destruction and the curse on creation? And one day God will restore it to what it used to be. And that's what we get to look forward to. That's why the prophets talked about a future time when the wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the fatling together and a child is going to lead them. There is a future state that we get to look forward to where God makes a new heaven and a new earth. If the theistic evolution worldview is true, the future heaven is not a place you want to be. It's filled with death, suffering, disease, toil, and bloodshed. If the biblical worldview is true, then we get to look forward to God making a new creation, a perfect creation the way that it was. And you and I get to look forward to reigning with Christ. This is a critical worldview to the doctrine of salvation and to the consistency of Scripture. Okay, I got to let social media go. I'm sorry, uh, guys. I know our television show, you guys probably got cut off a while ago. My bad. Uh, podcast listeners, thank you for hanging out. Send me a note. Let me know uh, what you think of this conversation. If you're watching on social media, leave me a comment in the comments. I'd love to know uh, what you think about this. I'm looking forward to next week's show. I don't even remember what it was, though, uh, and I didn't write it down. So, and I can't, can I see it right now? Uh, no, I can't even see it right now. Uh, so, They'll have it on the screen. Next week, join me live at noon right here. Uh, look forward to having more conversations this year that are going to grow your faith and disciple you in the truth of the Word of God. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. I love, I don't think we carry this anymore uh, just because it's a pain to ship, but there's other organizations that have this Adam's Chart of History. This is a 
three foot long chart. The whole thing folds out, and this is interesting, okay? The whole thing folds out. It was actually commissioned by Congress right at the turn of the century. So you can actually fold this entire chart out. It's impressive. You fold the whole thing out and it's 23 feet long. And it starts with Adam and Eve, starts with Genesis, and it goes all the way through the uh, end of the 1800s, or 18th century, 1800s. So end of the 1800s, it goes to right there. Uh, and it is absolutely amazing to study this chart. But I wanna ask the question, how long is 13.8 billion years using this chart? Okay, this chart, 23 feet long. It is, like I said, really, really awesome. You ought to grab that for your Sunday school class. Um, it, if we took that 23 foot long chart and we, sh we shrunk it down to the width of a human hair. So all 23 feet of history on that chart is going to be squished down to the width of a human hair, one one thousandth of an inch. If that was all of human history, how long would 13.8 billion years actually be? How big would our chart have to be? Human history represents the width of a human hair. How big is the chart to represent 13.8 billion years? Are you ready for this? 13.8 billion years would be represented by a Boeing 777. You start at one wingtip, you go all the way down around the second engine, you hit about 4.6 billion years ago, you get all the way down to the other wingtip, and there on the wingtip is a hair. And that is all of human history. According to the theistic evolution worldview, that's what it would look like. You say, well, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't believe mankind's been here for, you know, 6,000 years. I believe it's been about 70,000, maybe 100,000 years. Okay, Hugh Ross, here's what we got for you. If human history, 70,000 years of human history, were shrunk down to the size of a human hair, <laughs> your history, your timeline would be over 16 feet long, two sections of picket fence. You install all those boards, you get all the way down. The last post, there's a human hair on the end of that post, and that represents all of human history. The rest of that time from about 3.7 billion years on is filled with death and suffering. So you literally have all this time right here, billions of years of death, struggle, and suffering to finally get the creation of man. Say, Eric, I don't believe it's 70,000 years old. I think it's around you know 2 million years ago. That's when, when man evolved from an ape-like ancestor, around 2 million years ago. Let's go with a little more you know evolutionary idea there. Okay, now you've got a total of 7 feet. 2 million years is represented by a human hair. You've got nine NBA basketballs, and on the last basketball, right on the edge of that basketball, is a human hair. That represents two million years of evolution for humanity. I'm sorry, I'm just not buying it. There is no, why does God need this? Danny Faulkner said, adding billions of years to the biblical timeline is limiting God's power to create the world in six literal days. And it sure is, because here's the question. Did sin come into the world at the beginning, which is what the Bible teaches? Or did sin come into the world at the end, the last 2 million to 10,000 years? When did sin come into this world? There is no point of billions of years. And which Jesus you have actually matters, okay? Because, again, the credibility of Christ is at stake. So anybody that's not right here in the young earth camp, all these, all the McGee, the Schofield, the Thomas Chalmers, Hugh Ross, Gleason Archer, uh, all Mar Meredith Klein, John Walton, very popular now, uh, Francis Collins, brilliant guy. Andy Stanley, I'll show you the clip of him. Weaveling Craig, 
all of these are adding time to the Bible that isn't necessary because it puts death and suffering into God's very perfect creation. And that's a problem. Did God fill the world with death and suffering as part of his perfect, very good creation? Or did God create paradise to be without sin, death, and disease? How did God do that? Thank you for joining us for this engaging conversation. To view this and many more conversations in their entirety, we invite you to partner with us at creationtoday.org partner.